Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of the Step Over Podcast. I am Jim Adair. With me as always is Max Rappaport. Max, how you doing? Doing pretty well, Jim. Max, we are in the swing of things. And by things, I mean the deadest time of the year. Uh, we are at the point where Summer League is now essentially winding down. Uh, the roster for next season is all but set. There's, there's a few stragglers out there still to be filled with roster spots. And from here until basically a couple weeks before the season, there's not going to be a ton going on. Uh, so let's just talk about how we think this roster is shaped as it is right now. And Max, I know you have it in front of you. So let's just uh, let's run it down top to bottom, shall we? All right. Uh, at point guard, we've got Ben Simmons backed up by Haul Neto uh, and Shake Milton. Is, wait, is it is it Haul? Apparently. Wow, I, I think fucking he, love that. Apparently, it's Haul, but everyone just says Raul, and he just goes by that in the NBA because he doesn't want to correct you, people. That's, that's that's so much less fun. Go by yeah, Haul is cool. Um, like and it's, 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 it's Sarek and Sharich all over, and Sharich just is so much more fun to say. Man, Haul. like him even more now. We'll yeah. Uh, at shooting guard, you got Josh Richardson, and I would say Zaire Smith. Uh, backing him up. At small forward, yeah. you have Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, and James Ennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, at power forward, you've got Al Horford, Mike Scott, Jonah Bolden. And mm-hmm. at center, you have Joel Embiid and Kylo Quinn. Yeah, and, and for what it's worth at that point, I think pretty much everybody that's listed under small fo- small forward and shooting guard will be in- completely interchangeable. Um, With the exception of Harris, right? Like, if he'll probably play a little bit more four. If he's yeah, he's more a three four. Yeah, Horford's a four five. Bolden's a five fouls guy. Um, yeah. So that's how it's looking. I I want to say uh, there are two remaining roster spots. I believe right. Max is that yep. correct? Uh, yeah, Shayok, and that doesn't include uh, Mariel, yeah. yeah, Meryl Shayok and uh, Norval Pell are on the two way contracts this year. Who both look uh, really both, good in summer both league. Both look really good in the summer league. Uh, I have some things to say about Pell a little bit later uh, in a little segment I have planned. But, uh, yeah, so those are your two-way guys. Um, if those two remaining roster spots aren't filled by, like, say, a Kyle Korver and somebody else who's not Kyle Korver, um, there could be a point where they could just convert one of those two-way guys or just keep the spot open for a minute, see what happens, see what shakes out. You know, I think last year they went into the season with a, an empty roster spot, um, which I remember being kind of real mad about. I'm like, you're wasting just pay somebody to play there. Um, but, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, so, uh, Max, let's talk about the last time we spoke was in the, the shocking aftermath of the Horford and Richardson uh, uh, acquisitions. Um and uh, let's just kind of talk about. Uh, wait, did you did you mention Mike Scott? Did I li- not listen when you said Mike I, Scott? I did mention Mike Scott, a power forward, okay, yeah, backing okay, up Al yeah. Horford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's talk about Horford and let's talk about Richardson uh, in more kind of settled, concrete thoughts about less about what it took to get them here, or what their contracts are like, or what you sent out, and just more about them on this team. So uh, let's start with uh, Richardson, Max. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Richardson fan. I mean, we talked about it on the last the last podcast, just like how we both felt about him. I, I think he fits super well. I think he's um, I think he's improved as a shooter, and I think he's a guy who can really benefit from like the extra space he's going to get on this team. And you assume a, a good number of open looks. Um, I like that he can distribute a little bit. He's a really good defender. I think defensively, the the 
the roster the Sixers are going or the the five that the Sixers are going to put out, and then even um, with with Zaire and, and Matisse Thybulle coming off the bench, um, I think they have a lot of potential to be a, a, a lockdown defensive team. And I just love I love the five they have. I love the switchability. Um, I think the size is is really clutch, especially in a conference where uh, the Bucks are probably going to be the team that they're they're trying to get past to get to the finals. Um, I think that the matchup is really nice there. Um, so I'm pretty excited about about I guess the the roster construction in general. And I think Josh Richardson is just give, just gives them another guy who, um, you know, is a is a can be a game changer defensively. Yeah, Richardson to me, and, and like you said, there you, it's becoming more and more obvious that there are certain types of guys that Elton Brand likes, uh, namely centers. Um, but it also seems like people like Richardson and uh, Thibault and Smith, even though he didn't draft Zaire Smith, because I feel like Richardson's almost like an A, while Smith and Thibault are B1 and B2 of that same kind of archetype of player, of the guy that's going to be disrupted defensively, uh, going to have the athleticism to, you know, like what we've seen Zaire doing in Summer League, where not only can he jump, obviously, but to get clear with the speed and the kind of head fakes and moves and deceptiveness in the IQ that you have to get free runs to the rim, to catch lobs, and to get to the rim, to, to score at the rim. Uh, him and Thibault, they want to meet Zaire, I think is way more athletic than Thibault. But, uh, and then to be able to shoot the three, which we've seen Thibault doing uh, pretty well in summer league and, and, and Zaire doing it well as well, even though it's more of a less of a, you don't want is necessarily a results like, well, what's the percentage is more like you want to see the confidence in, in shooting them off the catch and off the dribble, making their own shot, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And I think they're kind of uh, three sides of the same coin in that way, although to different levels. Um, and I think building a team where like your wings are that kind of guy in, in the NBA that it is now, it's like that's exactly what everyone's looking for, right? Everyone's looking for the switchable, quick, defensive, athletic three-point shooter. And that's what you have in Richardson and that you hope to have uh, uh, for years and years to come uh, with Smith and Thibel, uh on top of their potential to add other parts to their game as well. Yeah, I really like that rotation too. Like, if you assume Harris is going to play, you know, he's going to start at the three, and then probably what you'll what you'll see is like Embiid comes off, Al Horford moves to the five, Harris moves to the four possibly, um, and then maybe you have Thibel come in, or maybe um, maybe Harris comes off at that point, Mike Scott's playing the four, but you have mm-hmm. a situation where between Harris, Zaire Smith, and Matisse Thibel, you have three potentially really really good defenders at the at the two three, um, and James Ennis is a, a decent defender too. Uh, yeah. So I feel really good about that, um, and even some some potential if you wanted to, uh, if you think Josh Richardson can run a little bit of point, uh, you know, um, at times if you wanted to do that, um, I think you'd do that if you have Harris, Horford, and Embiid still on the floor. But yeah. you could do that and potentially run out a lineup that um, is incredibly switchable, um, quick defensively. You could have Zaire Smith or Thibault come in at that point um, at the two. I feel like they just have a, they have a lot that they can, uh, I guess a lot of looks that they can throw out defensively. Um, so I, I feel, I feel like I can, it's hard to think of a team that uh, they can't match up against defensively. Just if they if they want to switch up what they're doing or switch up their their starting five or lean a little bit more heavily on Smith or Thibault, uh coming off the bench, I feel like they can go big and uh, and also they have some some really nice athletic wing defenders too if they if they need to to go against a team that has 
that and is going small against them. Yeah, I mean, there, there was, I, thought, I don't know, I go back and forth on thinking that there wasn't enough of a, uh, or there isn't enough attention being paid to the loss of J.J. Redick uh, to flipping to, well, no, it's, it's the exact right amount of attention because he gave you 18 points a game last year and he was that, that kind of possession-saving outlet a lot of the times, um, which is, has not been replaced on the team. Uh, however, this, you're now, the way you're building this team and the way you're structuring this team and the, the window you're putting on this team, you're building a, a playoff team, right? The, the only goal in the regular season is to get to those playoffs and get the certain seeding that you want, maybe. And then you, your team is built to succeed in the playoffs. So by taking away a uh, kind of, you know, compact, undersized, alligator-armed defensive liability in J.J. Redick, uh, even if you sacrifice all that great shooting and replacing him with someone who is an average to above average shooter but who is the 10 times the defender he is, you now make it that in your starting five or even in like you know the, the slightly rotational version of your starting five if someone's having an, an off series or whatever, you're having a, a one through five lineup with four plus defenders and where your weakest defender is Tobias Harris and having your weakest defender be Tobias Harris who's 6'9", and it is, is at least a big body who who doesn't make kind of mental errors the way that JJ Redick would a lot of the time is a plus versus having you know six three and a half JJ Redick just be in a spin cycle the entire time with people running circles around him. Um, so that's definitely an upgrade on the defensive side. Even though I'd say it's 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 more of an upgrade on the defensive side than it is a downgrade on the offensive side. I think it's a net positive. Um, yeah. And then you have and then we can move on to talking about Al Horford, another just big body who uh, we have to now switch to liking uh, for the most part. Um, which made me think, Max, I got the, uh, the, the Fanatics uh, Sixers email uh, yesterday yeah. that was like, oh, Al Horford jerseys are still on sale. I don't, and this is nothing against Al Horford. Uh, I just don't, I think the excitement and, and how much people appreciate and like Horford as a player on this team is way more than the amount of people who are going to buy that jersey yet. I can't imagine there being a ton of Al Horford Sixers jerseys sold until he actually starts playing because it's such a sharp turn from him being with Boston that I can't... I, I think people are going to wait and see and, and like... Because you can just fall in love with Josh Richardson. You can watch his highlights and be like, hell yeah, this guy's exciting. You know, there is no bad blood and animosity between us and the Heat. So it's easy to just turn around and go, I like him now, or I've always liked him. But it's so much harder to do that with a Boston Celtic and someone who was a Celtic for a long time where you can't just go, all right, my guy now, going to buy the jersey. Because even you say, all right, my guy now, that jersey is not cheap. So I do wonder what the Al Horford jersey sales are going to be like before the season actually picks up. We actually see him on the floor in a Sixers jersey playing for the team we like, and then we're like, all right, now it's so much easier to like him. Because right now it's still kind of just in the... In the uh, in the abstract, so that's interesting. But let's talk about him as a player and not as a uh, a human Jersey. person designed to sell jerseys. Um, what do you What do you really like about Horford? Uh, and especially, I want to kind of talk about him side by side with Embiid. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I do have a bit of concern about how the two of them fit together on the floor, but mm-hmm. I think that's that's mitigated by the fact that you know if you assume Embiid's going to play 
somewhere between I, I think ideally 30 and 32 minutes a game this year like the, until the playoffs I think that's if you can get away with doing that I think you just do that he played what was it 34 or 35 this past season played way too many back-to-backs um, and it caught up so I, I think if you go into this year assuming he's going to play closer to 30 32 that gives you 16 to 18 minutes of Al Horford at the five without him beat on the floor you know if, if you want to go that way um so you really only have to have the two of them on to start the game and then really to finish, like the, those mm-hmm. 12 to 14 minutes or whatever. Um, so I guess that fit is less of a concern. Um, I think, to me, it's the, the benefit is just ha- always having one of them on the floor and what that does for your defense. Um, and I think, I think it can work with, with both of them, but I think probably the, the bigger benefit is just having uh, that guarantee that you, you always have uh, between the two of them, always have one of them on the floor, and then if if there are any injuries or Embiid has to sit or on nights where you just rest him, that you have that that you have a yeah. Horford who can just plug right in. Yeah, and Horford is like, I think we I said that word like twelve times last time we talked about. It. He's just, he's just so incredibly versatile, and you know there's the you know the running joke that like oh he's so he should be an All Star even though he's averaging twelve points a game because he does so much as not on the box score or whatever. But like it's not wrong. Uh, it's easy to make fun of when you're making fun of Boston fans, but it's not wrong. Um, and that's something that I think you need in a guy next to Embiid. You know, you need someone who can kind of take the gravity of the offense when he's tiring or winded or hitting the bench or just not, you know, taking fouls. He can. He's an incredible passing big, which is great for when he does draw that gravity of the offense and people can cut and run. Um, and I think he's just like, he just fits in the team that they are building, the defensive-minded, um, sturdy, strong team that they seem to be building. Um, it was a bit of a surprise when it happened. Obviously, we were both kind of surprised because, you know, there have been rumblings of it, but we're like, how true is that actually going to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's easy to to, to imagine, uh, before we can actually see it, that working well, and we'll just have to actually see in reality how it actually works. But I do want to ask you this, that... Uh, going back to kind of losing JJ and replacing with a defensive-minded team and Horford, who can shoot the three but doesn't shoot a ton of them. Um, the Sixers last year attempted 30.2 threes per game, which was 19th in the league, so bottom half of the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Brown does come from the Popovich system, even though he's fairly fairly removed now. Uh, they just brought the... Uh, what's the assistant's name in? The... Who's married to Neil Long or is with Neil Long? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll go back to yeah. that. As a uh, Emi Odoka, is that his name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They brought him in Spurs. Uh, do you think you could see this year with with the lack of a uh, dead eye perimeter threat for the first time since the Sixers have attempted to win games? Um, a a decent sized drop off in attempts per game. For comparison, using the Spurs model that Popovich uh, is still using. Uh, they only attempted 25.33s last year, which was dead last in the league. Do you think uh, you'll see them slip in that and, and get closer to that number, or do you think they'll probably stay even or and kind of use the system they've been using and try to force, not necessarily force those shots, but still take those shots? I mean, I guess I could see it being a little bit less because I think J.J. got a lot of... Um, I would say forced threes, like in transition yeah. runs to the corner... Ben Simmons throws the ball up and he hits one of those like fading out, fading out to the corner three. Like you're just not going to see Josh Richardson do that. But mm-hmm. still, Richardson took six and a half a game last year. 
True. Uh, J.J. Reddick took eight. And the year before that, J.J. had taken six and a half. So it's... I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off. I think it's going to be a lot more catch-and-shoot than J.J. You know, J.J. would come around a screen, and, and you really look for that. And I, you just don't really have a guy like that, except for maybe Harris at this point. Um, so I, I think... And, and if they bring in Kyle Korver, I think that changes the equation, too, although I don't think he's going to play a ton of minutes. But um, I think it, I think it'll be similar, but probably a little bit less. Um, but at the same time, having Horford, who's a really good passer... Um, and Bede, if, if he improves, Ben Simmons, if he improves, like, um, just opening things up more for Josh Richardson, for Tobias mm-hmm. Harris, for James Ennis, Shake Milton, Howell Neto, to just hit open threes. That That's yep. a possibility, too, that you just see a little bit more. Um, I think it, you'll see a lot more catch-and-shoot threes, mm-hmm. um, like uh, drive-and-kick threes, I would say, rather than yeah. with, yeah, with yeah, JJ, yeah. where it was drawn up that way. Yeah. Uh I will say this, that um, I, I did a, a sim in NBA 2K19 uh, where uh, I, I had to sign uh, someone because I didn't have enough people on the roster in the game. Um, so I did sign Kyle Korver. But other than that, went forward with the team as it is. Uh, and the Sixers won the finals against the Warriors, even though in the finals, and I hate to even speak this out loud into a microphone, Josh Richardson uh, tore his patella tendon, and Joel Embiid broke his leg. Oh, my God. And they still won. Joel, or, uh, ben Simmons dropped like 45 and, and 12 in one game. It was great. Uh, so, yeah, that's, there's our possibilities here. Um, I think, I think too, just, just to like kind of hammer back on that point, I mm-hmm. think one thing that it's re- makes it really hard to project this season is Ben Simmons. Like it, it's really possible coming into yeah. fourth season in the NBA, third playing it's possible Ben Simmons comes in and just is a different player than he's been the first two years. I think he came back in year two and was largely uh, a slightly improved or like kind of flat version of what he was his rookie year. And I think on offense, um, on offense, I think defensively, he's a much improved defender, much improved defensively. But I think if we're thinking about offense and how the team plays, I think there's a there's a chance that Ben Simmons comes in. Um, I don't think he's not going to put up 27 points, but like you saw with Embiid in his third season, uh, yep. third playing season, just a a huge improvement offensively mm-hmm. and I don't think it's going to be quite that but I, I do think there's a chance that Ben Simmons comes in with a jumper or not uh, and it's just more of a threat offensively and more of um, someone who can open things up I think um, and I don't want to take credit away from anybody who who got Joel Embiid to where he is today but uh, Joel Embiid as, as a player who's just basically a sheer force of nature who a lot of the times is just give it to them in the block and watch him work uh, I would imagine that a lot of that work was Joel Embiid's and, and the trainers and everyone who helped him and coaching and stuff like that. But on the floor, ball in Embiid's hand, it's mostly Joel Embiid. Like, as soon as he touches that ball, Joel Embiid takes over. With Ben Simmons just being a point guard, um, being your main facilitator, being a man of his size who has limitations on the court, I think what's going to uh, make or break kind of that jump for him this year it could be game plan, right? It could be how mm. he's deci- how he's being used, what what kind of, you know, handoffs or plays or how many times is he bringing the ball up and how many times isn't he? How many times is he crossing half court and immediately passing the ball up or how many times is he initiating like a full offensive set? That's going to have a lot more to do, I think, with how he plays on the offensive side um, than, than, you know, him all of a sudden developing a, a 17-footer. 
because on the defensive side, he's going to play as, as, as well as he played last year, you hope. So he'll play as hard as he played, um, you know. But so much he can do as the man who's running, quote-unquote, running the offense is going to be what he's allowed to and able to do with the ball. And I think that's going to have a lot to do with game planning, which I think this is a very crucial... We can talk about this closer to the season, uh, but I think it's not shocking or unobvious to say that this is a crucial year for Brett Brown uh, yeah. going forward. Um, so before we get into uh, the, the two mini segments that I have, uh, I did want to revisit our, our free agency prediction chart for a minute. <sighs> okay. Uh, we actually tied, Max. Oh, man. Uh, all That's the ones we with, got. With like two out of 25 or something? Uh, we got seven points each out of 23. Oof. All right. Uh, Not great. And six of those seven, we had said the same thing. Uh, <laughs> so those were Kyrie to Brooklyn. We both got that. Clay to Golden State. We both got that. Middleton to Milwaukee. We both got that. Kemba to Boston. Both got that. Mike Scott, Philadelphia, both got that. And Porzingis staying in Dallas as a restricted free agent. Both got that. Uh, the one that you got that I didn't was uh, Nikola Vucevic staying in Orlando. I had him going to Boston. And the one that I got that you didn't, which actually was a little bit help uh, from a coin flip, uh, was uh, Dwayne Devin being in Sacramento. Mm. Uh, so you had him coming to Philadelphia. And I do want to also point out that our wheel of fate or destiny was one for 23. <laughs> it got, it, it called DeMarcus Cousins on the Lakers. That's what happened there. Uh, so, moving on, Max, I want to play a little game of uh, true or false with you. Do you want to take right. a quick break before we do that? Let's take a quick break uh, so you can put your thinking cap on and, uh, and we'll, we'll come back and play some truth, true or false. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, uh, we are back, Max. Uh, Going to play a quick game of true or false. Got five uh, propositions, questions for you. Uh, first three have to do with uh, summer Sixers, and then the next two uh, with uh, new additions to the team. Uh, first one, true or false, Max? Uh, Norville Pell is older than Anthony Davis. <sighs> okay, let me think about this. Um, mm-hmm. He was a, in 2013, I believe, was the year that he was a rookie with the sevens. And at that point, 
I think he was 18 or 19. Uh, I'm going to say it's false. All right, uh, he is you, younger. I forget how you constructed the question. I think he's younger than Anthony Davis. Uh, you would be incorrect. Oh, my God. He is uh, just over a month older than Anthony Davis. Was he older coming in then? Was he like 20 or 21 uh, coming to the sevens? Uh, Norval Pell. Well, how uh, old is he now? He's 26. 26. Yeah, so I guess yes. so. I guess he was 20. Uh, skipped college, entered the 2013 draft. Uh, withdrew days prior uh, because of warts on his foot. Wow, even even the guys that the Sixers don't draft. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, it was picked in the, in the uh, then D-League draft in 2013. So, yeah. That's, that's wild. But yeah, it is kind of wild, isn't it? Uh, next question. Uh, Sixers Summer League standout, whether it be for good reasons, bad reasons, or just observational reasons. Chris Kamaje. Uh, Max, is it true or false that in his per 40-minute stats last year in college, he averaged over nine fouls per 40 minutes? Mm. I'm going to say it was slightly under nine. Hmm. Uh, you would be correct. It is false. It was only 5.1. That's, uh, that's more his, than slightly under nine. <laughs> yes. Uh, in his freshman year, he averaged 9.1 fouls per 40 wow. minutes. Yeah. I it feels like, it, day, it, yeah. is he doing that in summer league too? It feels like he's pretty Yesterday's much averaging. Game, yeah, I, I, last I checked, he had like seven in 12 minutes. Really taking advantage of that 10, 10 foul foul out in summer league. Uh, next one. Final one for the summer Sixers, Max. Uh, is it true or false? That uh, in his senior year of college, Terry Harris shot better from three than Tobias did in his lone collegiate season. Yeah, I'll say true. It is true. Yes. Uh, by 11%, Terry shot 41.1% from three. Tobias only shot 30 is uh, one season in college. Uh, although their true shooting numbers are only about 5% off, which makes that... It's so, kind of crazy looking back. I just happen to have Tobias Harris's reference, uh-huh. basketball reference page open. It's kind of crazy just looking back how uh, how much he improved as a shooter in the NBA. Yeah. Like coming in, it's, he just uh, was not a shooter at all, and now he's mm-hmm. that's like his thing. Is he's yeah. a perimeter guy. There's a whole thing of where every time anyone talks to him about this and that, and he said it when he came back, like, oh, you know, I've gotten better every year, and it's absolutely true. He's gotten better, and he's added things to his game, and he's proved every single year he's been in the league. Um. Okay, next questions. These are about the two of the new additions to the team. Uh, Al Horford's career averages, uh, uh, percentages from, from, the, from the shooting, are 52.5% field goal, 36.8 from three, and 75.4 free throws. Good splits. Yeah. Would he be, if he had those splits this season for the Sixers, would he be the only Sixer in history to have those splits? Give me the splits again. Uh, 52.5% field goal, 36.8 from three, 75.4 from the free throw line. I feel like Corver would have done that at some point. Corver did not. <sighs> I mean, the field goal is tough because if you're, now, whether, if you're just a Whether that shooter, means then... nobody did, I won't say yet, but Corver has not done that. I think somebody's done that. It's not that hard to do, especially if you, only has take, done that. if you only take a handful of threes. Like back in do the you day, wanna, it had to be somebody yeah. who. Do you want to take a random guess at who has done that? 
outside of the fact that Greg Monroe you, did it in can three you give games me last like, season. Can you give me the decade? Uh, it would have been before we were born, I'll tell you that much. Man. Um... Did Mo I, I will give do you it? this hint. Doug, Doug Collins? I'll give it. I don't, who, who was the first one you said? I said Mo Cheeks, and then I said Doug Collins. Well, it was Mo Cheeks. He did it twice. All right. Nice. I was going to give you the hint that it was someone that I met at a basketball camp when I was a kid. I would have I would have said Doug Collins, if, or I would have said uh, World Be Free, if you had said that, actually. I also did meet World Be Free. This is true. Uh, final question, true or false? Raul uh, Neto, which is much more fun to say now, uh, over the past three seasons... Though playing 115 fewer games, has attempted more threes than T.J. McConnell in that same span. Is that true or false? Give me that one again. That was I got, I got wrapped up in the question. Over the past three seasons, yep. Jalen Neto has played 115 fewer games than T.J. McConnell has. Knowing that, in those same three years, did Neto still attempt more threes than T.J. McConnell? No. No, but it's close. He attempted 138 to TJ's 159. Uh, mm. So TJ yeah, attempted a, just oh, over one per 36, and Neto was like 3.7 per 36. It's a, the the Neto signing is a little weird to me. I know it's like he might not even really play this year. Mm-hmm. Like like if Shake Milton is decent, or or if Zaire Smith and the T Stiebel really like deserve minutes, you might play around with how you how you apportion uh guard minutes yeah like, I mean, as we said yeah you can you know you hope you in, in a pinch zyre could play some point possibly and or like i Richardson can't imagine or yeah yeah mm-hmm. and, and you mm-hmm. can just run things through horford and be in the post right. and uh high post and whatever but um i mean you do but you, you like i feel like it's a law that you have to have a backup point guard like it's it's a law you can't not have a backup point guard. It's true. I think, yeah, he's no. basically the TJ this year where where he's deep yeah. on the bench. And, like, mm-hmm. some games he might play 25 minutes if you just, like, need that. Or if yeah. Ben Simmons doesn't play or whatever. But he's probably going to get a lot of DMPs. I think it's a weird signing just because his his uh, his strengths don't really match what you are what you need. He's basically TJ. Right, like he's kind of that, yeah, yeah. that type of player. A more, um, a more, but a more willing and slightly better... Uh, three-point shooter and more handsome of course it's unreal how handsome that man is carly was really disappointed when when jj left the team but then immediately said fuck jj when she saw jj 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 who who is this jj character (laughs) you keep speaking of i have no idea who this guy is al horford Um, too it's a very very uh a huge upgrade in in handsome handsomeness and and the new assistant coaches too and matisse matisse is matisse too yeah fellow as well um Oh, quick note before we move on to our, another segment that I have that everyone, I'm sure, loves these game show type segments. Uh, something that I loved to see in Summer League. Um, you saw a lot of Zaire last year kind of stone-faced. Obviously, he wasn't happy and he wasn't healthy. He probably in a lot of pain and discomfort. And he wasn't happy that he wasn't on the floor and whatever. But even when he was playing, it seemed like he was kind of, you know, he didn't like seem... I don't know how, how to really word it, but... This season, like if you watch the summer league games, he's he's talking to people, he's smiling, he's laughing, he's he's seems like he's really, really, really enjoying himself, and I think that's just great to see. I'm just really mm-hmm. happy for him. Yeah, that's just something I wanted to bring up. Um, all right, so Max, as we I mentioned to you before we started recording, um, on Monday, this Monday, which is uh, the fifteenth, 
It is the three-year anniversary of our first episode. Um, so I thought it would be fun to kind of think on, on Sixers past for a minute about some players who had played here uh, around the time when we started. Some, some of these are probably from before we started. Uh, but find out what we had tweeted about some of these players, and then I, you will have to guess if you tweeted it or if I tweeted it. I really like this game. This is one of your better, better uh, segments. That is with. a very low bar that I am clearing, but thank you. Uh, so let's start uh, with Rashawn Holmes, if you don't mind. Uh, you did say on this podcast at one point, and you stand by it still, that Rashawn Holmes at that point was better than Nerlens Noel. People freaked before, out, before, but it was true. Do you still stand by that today? I stand by it today. Okay, just clearing that up. Okay, so which one of us tweeted i will tell you for this one there are two tweets one for each of us that's not the case with all of them which one of us tweeted watching rashawn strong arm all those threes makes me think he'd actually sink some 35 footers and which one of us quote tweeted keith smith talking about how the most consistently good young sixers big man is dario sharich and said that's a weird way to spell rashawn holmes i remember tweeting the second one and i know i didn't tweet the first one that's I you. will say this, and this is this is a trend for you. You sent that tweet at twelve thirty a.m. I was in my feelings so, about about Rashawn. Yeah, you were well, in was feelings. it twelve thirty? Was it was it when I was living in Seattle? Because that's only nine thirty uh, my time. When did you move to Seattle? Uh, August twenty seventeen. You were in Seattle. Okay, it was well, unless you were home. It was the 29th of December in twenty seventeen. Maybe you were home. I don't know. No, I could have been home. Yeah. Um. This next one is, there was no good tweets about this guy, but I just wanted to bring him up for a second. Uh, which one of us had tweeted, and there's just one for him. Uh, when you order your half-price Papa John's tomorrow, make sure you give thanks to Henry Sims. That was me. That was me. Oh, really? Yeah. November 24th, 2014. Um, so, yeah, that was a great one. Uh, here's two from 2016 about... Tony Roten, and I want you to tell me. Twenty sixteen. Wow, this yeah, is late. One, late yeah, Tony yeah. Roden content. I think these are going to be easy for you. Uh, which one of us tweeted? Just watched a Tony Roten high school mixtape, and now I'm sad. Sad face emoji. That was me. Yeah, that was you. Eleven forty six p.m. Twenty sixteen. So you were still here. Uh, which one of us tweeted? In this time of darkness, the Sixers need to bring back Pappy Jack or Tony Roten. You. No, that was also you. That was 22nd me. of February, 2016. And which one of us tweeted, uh, Tony Roten just got assaulted by an actual fairy tale giant? That was you. That was me. And that was uh, when the Sixers lost to the Spurs by like 50. And it was Boban. It was when Boban went off for like 28 points. I don't know if it was that game exactly, but it was December 7th, 2015. So speaking of Boban, he's next. Max, which one of us tweeted on January 27th, 2016, no Boban and the Rising Stars challenge is a travesty? You. No, it was you. Man, I yeah. do not remember anything that I tweet, I guess. Mm-hmm. And now, which one of us tweeted, just all caps, Boban? I'll give myself that one. No, that was me. And I tweeted Jesus. it nine different times. <laughs> well, no, wait, let's see. Eight different times. Twice on December 7th, 2015. Uh, 
Once on December 8th, 2015. Uh, once in January 2016. Once in February 2016. Once in June 2016. And then once in November 2018. I took two years off. Um, so that's how I was. And, and the, uh, most of those had some kind of picture component also included. Mm-hmm. Um, some had hashtag Boban. Some weren't all caps Boban. Some just said Boban, low, lowercase. Um, but yeah, I'm going to miss that. Some were Boban with that red B emoji. Actually, none of those were that. I could have done that. But it would have been hard to search for those ones, you know? A little harder to search. Uh, all right, Max, I got three players left if you want to bear with all me. All right. Um, I'm going to make a jump here. I'm going to skip to the end just to this next guy. Uh, which one of us tweeted uh, in response uh, to a tweet to Mike Levin uh, about the drafting of Timothy Luau Cabarro? What if Brian, what if BC meaning Brian Colangelo? What if Brian Colangelo was good? Me. That was you at one oh six AM. You said and you finished it with what will become of our brands? <laughs> yeah. uh, How wrong I was. W- Thank- thankfully our brands are uh, the same as, as they've ever been because that was that was not yeah. not how it turned out with Brian Colangelo. Uh, which one of us tweeted at twelve oh eight AM on November sixteenth, twenty seventeen? When Francis Timothée Luau Cabreau gets in a rhythm, it's known as Can Heat. Thank you. That's you. That was me. Yeah. I guess it would be Con Heat, technically. <laughs> Maybe that's why that joke didn't work that well. <laughs> um, finally, Max, we're on to the two fur cons. Okay. At, at very different times in our lives, we fell in love with two different fur cons. Uh, Max, which one of us tweeted, Sixers Twitter will always look back on the Furcon Aldemir era with joy in their hearts? I think that was you. That was me. And which one of us tweeted, Furcon Aldemir just hit Verajal with a dream shake. This is not a drill. Me. That was you. And I think you tweeted that while he was playing on October 8th. <laughs> and I had tweeted mine when he was no longer with the team a mere two weeks later. <laughs> and so. Yeah, what a fall from uh, grace! Finally, I think these ones might be very easy as well. Although I'm surprised you got some of these wrong, to be honest with you. Um, which one of us tweeted uh, in June of 2016 again at 1:45 a.m. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz, greater sign, Harrison Barnes, don't at me. That that was me. Yeah, that was. You. I stand by, you stand by that, that too. That. <laughs> you yeah. Still stand by that. that I Furkan stand by Korkmaz, who is. Seemingly without a team or a country currently, uh, is better than Harrison Barnes. Yes. Okay. And uh, you'll this see in, in, y- in year five of yep. Furkan Korkmaz, he's going to come back. Uh, this should this should leave it. Um, this is a pretty obvious one. Uh, which one of us had tweeted maybe after a beverage or five on October fourth, twenty seventeen? Korkmaz, pop that chest hair, Poppy. That was definitely you. Yeah, that was me. That was 100% it was a very me. Jim tweet. Um, I want to know what I was referencing at that exact moment. <laughs> yeah. No idea. <laughs> truly, truly no idea. <laughs> oh, man. Any, yeah. any more? Or is that the end of the segment? That's uh, thankfully and graciously the end of the segment. Feels nice. Three I, years, Max. That's kind of baffling. It's it's also crazy that we started the podcast uh, in mid July 
of of a season. <laughs> like, what mm-hmm. a time to start mm-hmm. a podcast like about mm-hmm. about a sport that takes yeah basically mid July until until late September off. Yeah, that we decided I, that I was the time. This I opened this episode talking about how we're like in the absolute dredge dregs of the yeah. season of the year, and we're three days before the anniversary of when we did our first one. A truly special occasion for all of us. Uh, we have recorded. Well, I've only recorded episodes here in Philadelphia, specifically South Philadelphia. I did record one episode in Wildwood, New Jersey. Uh, Max, you've recorded in Seattle, Washington, in mm-hmm. Philadelphia, and you recorded our—I think our very first episode in Vegas. I think you were from absolutely. Summer League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a grand total of one guest, and that was all. And that was Chew. That was like our fifth or sixth episode, I think. Uh, and I think we lost the audio for probably four or five different episodes. And we only re-recorded one or two of those. <laughs> I was actually going back through uh, some old ones not that long ago. Uh, I might throw up uh, some, maybe some clips or something like that uh, sometime next week. Because we will be clip taking up. Clip show. A little bit of a clip show. Like, you know, just like all the greats do. Seinfeld. Also Seinfeld. They did a couple of those. Uh, but I was going through as we're going to be having having a bit of a break because you got s- stuff going on. You're having a wedding for yourself. Uh, and, man, it's just like there was so much bad shit, man. We talked our way into so many things, into believing so many things. That never came to be. Like, I believe that Brian Colangelo was good, or maybe good. We both, we both thought like that Luwawu was going to be like, like oh wait till you guys see man, like no one will be laughing. This guy's going to be so good. And then he had like four great days in the NBA in a row. And then is he still in Chicago? Is he still in the NBA? I think he's. I think he's the Bulls. I, th- I think yeah. you might be right about that. Yeah. Anyway, Max, any any thoughts on three years? Any uh, any thoughts at all? Well, thank you everybody who listens to this podcast. Um, yeah. I know also that, that you have. Yeah, I know that that um, there are a lot of Sixers podcasts out there. So I, I thank you all for continuing to listen to us, uh, and putting up with our rambling bullshit and. Uh, lack of professionalism and our weird bits that we do and and uh segments that we do that go on way too long and Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. aren't that interesting to listen to for anyone but us you know max when i opened the floor to you i didn't think you were just gonna shit talk me essentially subtweet me to my face (laughs) uh but that's what happened also did i curse yet before i just said shit on this podcast did i curse i don't know but i just i just said fuck because i was gonna say this might be the first time ever that you cursed before me that's what we call uh, growth and character development. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, it only took great. three seasons. It only took three seasons to get there. Uh, it's got some real, real season season one, two, three of lost pacing, not season four, five, six of lost pacing. Uh, but maybe we'll get there. Still talking about basketball being played on the moon. Uh, that's all I got, Max. Um, like I mentioned before, we're going to be doing a, a bit of a break here, just because. It's, first of all, dead time of, of what we're talking about. 
Uh, and secondly, uh, stuff's going on. So we'll be back um, probably a month. In August. August, in August, some point in August, you know. And um, maybe we'll have something to talk about then. I'm not, I don't think we're going to do an emergency. Oh, fuck. I say this now. I was going to say we're going to do an emergency podcast that they sign Kyle Korver, but no. let's just hope no one breaks a foot. Yeah, you know. it would be nice if they could at least wait until September to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of, I wanted to, I'm kind of putting you on the spot now, but I, I yeah. did think of this. Do you have a favorite moment or episode or anything that we did in the last three years? I have one. Uh, not a moment, but I, I remember the podcast we did after Burnergate being one of my favorites. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to do. I think I just did a lot of, like, you can't... I did a lot of, like, emoting with my hands that couldn't show up in an audio format, but I was just, like, just still... My head was spinning and I was baffled. My favorite moment was when uh, Ben Simmons broke his foot and we did an emergency podcast talking about the wrong kind of injury <laughs> the entire time. We talked in about we talked about a, 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 a an avulsion fracture fracture when it was a Jones fracture. Is that right? Yeah. Well, because they thought it was. Point, yeah. No one knew, and people people it was like it seemed like everyone thought it was an avulsion fracture. So we did this whole like forty minute thing or whatever it was, and then put it up, and then I think like in classic the way we do things. Within an hour, it was like, "Oh, Jones fracture." Yeah, like, fuck, man. Yeah, that was that was not a fun one, but yeah. Anyway, um, is that all we got? That's all I got. That's why I did the. That's why I went. Anyway, so I, I do want to leave. I do want to leave us. I was hoping to have a, a moment to to mention this, uh, but earlier when we were talking about Howell Neto, uh, I navigated over to his Basketball Reference page where I found that one of his nicknames is Halzinho, which oh, is yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew but, that, but I thought it was, I thought it was Raulzinho. Halzinho is great. It's really good. Yeah. What does so. the, is, is, as, how does, what does Zinho, is that just like a... It's like little, it's kind of oh, like... Is that little? Okay. Yeah. It's like, like Ronaldinho is like little Ronaldo, basically. Ah, yes. Okay. So I wonder who big, I wonder who big Howl is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, if he's uh, small in stature, like the Bagel Boss, yeah. Um, or maybe I, I don't know if you do. You have to be in order to be like Inyo. Do you, someone who knows more about Brazilian culture maybe could chime in on Twitter or something. Like, do you have to be name? Does it have to be in relation to someone else with the same name, or can it just be like you're? The, well, like if like uh, someone like him because he's six one, or I'm thinking more like um, like Iverson. Would he be like whatever? Whatever. Alan doesn't really work with it, but. Would Inyo work if you're just someone of small stature who or young or something? Yeah. Well, I I could have sworn, and I'm probably very wrong, but that there was so there's Ronaldo, mm-hmm. and there's Ronaldinho, and then when Ronaldo, OG Ronaldo retired and like left, did did Ronaldinho then? get crowned and, and graduated to Ronaldo for the next Ronaldinho. It was like a Dalai Lama situation. <laughs> like they named the new Pope, so he's the new Ronaldo, and everyone, all the Cardinals are just the Ronaldinhos. Well, according to his Wikipedia, he's still Ronaldinho. Uh, Ronaldo mm. de Assis Moreira. Uh, so his name is Ronaldo, and then he's Ronaldinho. Uh, but I wonder if you can get that, if you can kind of just be 
like little whatever without there being uh, a big like be junior without there being a senior here's here's what i found when you click on click on disambiguation on the wikipedia page everyone by the way has already stopped listening so this is just a phone call between us now yeah. uh ronaldinho uh the one you just mentioned born in 1980 brazilian football player uh then there is also uh ronaldo uh luis nazario danima born in 1976 that says better known as Ronaldo but also known as Ronaldinho before 1997 to differentiate himself from another Ronaldo so I guess you can graduate from a Ronaldinho to a Ronaldo that's fun it's good something to aspire to you know interesting apparently there's a female is it interesting yeah I'm I'm, okay. I'm reading I'm like looking more about about it. Apparently, there's also you can be like Inya, which is the female equivalent. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Apparently, specific right. to Brazil, they, they and not in uh, Portugal or other Portuguese-speaking countries. Yeah, I'm curious how that started, but yeah, for another know. podcast. <laughs> Yes, it's for our next episode when we would talk only about Brazilian and Portuguese naming customs. Um, well, so yeah, we're going to need it because it's going to be August. So yeah, it's going to be maybe, maybe that is what we'll talk about. Uh, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, thanks to everybody who's listened in the last three years uh, and, and these the next, last three minutes, especially. <laughs> yeah, and then the next, uh, you know, three to forty-eight years or however long this goes. I sure hope it doesn't go another three years. Uh, I mean, what? Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, as always. Uh, and we will talk to you next time. See ya. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.